0: Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt.
1: Hey, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio here from Epic Real Estate, where we show people how to invest in real estate with an emphasis on retiring early. This is the Epic Real Estate Investing Show and if this is your first time here, really glad that you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go and if this is not your first time here, welcome back and thank you for sharing this with your friends and family. Really appreciate that. Love that about you. I mean, you're absolutely the the best for doing that Uh, and we're getting a lot of family time right now, aren't we? As we are uh, all essentially told to uh, limit our social interaction. I would say it's really don't limit your social interaction. Limit your physical interaction, right? Um, the news seems to change by the day, and uh, if you know if you if you really pay attention to the right stuff, it's not as bad as it seems. And the message from Dr. Fauci from the the CDC is, you know, I've heard him interviewed now on several uh, shows and several podcasts. He's making the tour, and every he's in high demand. And he's really in a position where he'd rather be criticized for um, overreacting and have this not be such a big deal than underreacting and have it turn into a big deal. And uh, I've been following Dr. Drew around as well I played a, a little clip from him last week. But the news is changing so fast, so I'm like tuned into like, "What's he saying now? What's he saying now?" And, and Dr. Drew's uh, message is still very much the same. He hasn't wavered a whole lot. And he refers to Dr. Fauci quite a bit at the CDC. That's the little guy with the little glasses that you see next to Trump during the press conferences. And, you know, the guy from uh the, I think he's from the CDC. I don't know. I might be overspeaking that. I might, uh, but he's the health guy, right? He's our health official in the country, in the United States. And he's kind of leading the charge from the medical standpoint of how we're going to deal with this. And uh all that to say is, it's not as bad as it seems from a health perspective, um, from a economical perspective and from a panic perspective. That seems what we need to be most concerned about. Yesterday on a, an interview with uh, Dr. Oz, when he had asked, how should people be navigating their quarantines? And uh, without hesitation, he said, well, you should go learn a new language or learn to play an instrument. or." And then he said, uh, learn something that will make you better for work when this is all over. And he went on to say a bunch of other stuff after that that was uh, obviously probably much more health related where that question was coming from when he was asked. But that was the very first thing that came out of his mouth. And just all that to say with someone like uh, Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew and Dr. Fauci, they're like, uh, they're all telling us just to kind of calm down. It's not that big of a deal. It's going to pass. And when it does, you want to be better for it, right? So I can't do much for his first two suggestions. I only know one language I live with the Latina. It's been on my my to-do list to learn Spanish, and uh, I can kind of make my way around the house. But once we step out of the house and, and start talking about other things outside of the house, I get a little lost. So I can't help you with that. And as far as the the musical instrument goes, I've actually uh, started taking piano lessons here about four months ago with my son. Haven't been very good at my practice, uh, my practice lessons, and the instructions I've gotten from my instructor. But now is a really good time. But I I don't know how to play it yet, so I can't help you with that. But. I might be able to offer some assistance with the third to help make you better for work when this is all over. Alrighty. So, um, I'm going to keep some announcements all week at the top of the episodes. I'll be rotating those in and out of where you can get some extra help and learn something that will make you better for your work as a real estate investor. You might've already heard it at the top of this episode, uh, depending on when you are listening, but uh, I'm going to keep those nice and fresh and, uh, just kind of give you some guidance. If you want the help, you'll be able to get it. All right. So right now, though, I wanted to share a recent interview with you where I was actually the interviewee. And the interviewer is a newer friend of mine uh, who has a great video show, really high quality videos. I'm actually rather envious. And it's made me rethink my whole YouTube strategy because it looks like it's a TV show. And when he's got really great guests. I mean, he's got Gary Vaynerchuk on there and Grant Cardone and, and Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank and a bunch of others. He's been doing this for a while. And all on the subject of money. So if you uh, take money seriously, uh, you might want to head over to his website, moneyis.com, and check him out. Mr. Andrew Cordell is his name. And a really cool dude. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a great conversationalist and uh, just, and he's a very accomplished real estate investor in his own right. And so anyway, I was just honored when he asked me to join his esteemed guests on his show and he was able to pull some stuff out of me that I think, no, I'm certain that I had almost forgotten, not almost, I can't say certain and then almost, right? I had totally forgotten, definitely had forgotten with regard to what it was like when I did my first deal and we talked about a bunch of other stuff, too, with, with regard to investing and wealth creation and, and what you should be doing. And, and uh, anyway, I just really enjoyed my time with him. But uh, if you've yet to do your first deal, you might get quite a bit out of this episode. So I asked him if I could play it here for you. And uh, he was like, absolutely, whatever you want. So here it is. Enjoy.
0: What's up guys, this is Drew here at moneyis.com and I'm shooting on Built For More about real estate. I've got my good buddy and incredible investor, Matt Cario here. Uh, right here actually from Las Vegas, recently moved to Las Vegas. Yeah. and uh, so we're gonna go through, just talk about uh, uh, how real estate impacted your life. And for those viewers that are listening, I kinda wanna dive into a little bit of the specifics of what they should do to get started what type of strategies you guys should look at playing, especially if you're getting started to right now. Uh, before I do that, Matt, let's talk a little bit about you. You got your career started in uh, LA, yep. right? Yes. How long have you been investing now in real estate? Let's see, it's probably been, I don't know, 13, 14 years. 14 years yep. investing now. Mm-hmm. You started in LA the whole time? Yeah, the whole time. Was Which is a very tough market Indeed. to play the game in. Because you hear a lot of people talk about doing deals in the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. I did a lot of deals in the Midwest. right. It's actually kind of pretty easy, in my opinion, right? When you're in the Indiana, Ohio, uh, I'm not saying it's, it's simple, but it's a lot easier, I think. When I, I did some deals in California, and dude, the game, to me, changed so fast mm-hmm. uh, in the L.A. market. And you got your whole career started in L.A. Uh, how many deals ballpark between every type of rental, fix and flip, wholesale, would you say you've done right now in your career so far? Yeah, I'd say 1,000-plus. We
1: we got to a point where I just stopped counting. Okay, now I just kind of say that so I don't not held to that specific number. You know what I mean? But one thousand two hundred twelve. feel very comfortable saying a
0: thousand plus. Uh, Dude, I want to I want to break that down because that is crazy numbers there. A thousand deals is like off is is crazy, but to do a thousand LA is like dude like to me that's like a whole other world. To understand what all that would take to make that happen But before we get there, let's back up for a second Mm -hmm. Give the the viewers a little bit of background How you got started, where you came from Just kind of get into those thousand deals Sure, yeah, when I got out of the
1: Marine Corps I I spent the next 15 years of my life in the music business Music industry Yeah, and uh, I did really well for myself And everything was going really well And uh, this thing called the digital download came along (laughs) Napster, you remember Napster? Yeah Well, they turned that whole industry upside down. And for someone that makes their living on selling compact discs through music stores, uh, when that goes away, now Mm -hmm. you've got no distribution, right? And, you know, it's kind of obvious how you would do it today. But back then, it was a total mystery. No one had a clue. This thing called the Internet was kind of brand new. And buying stuff on the Internet was, like, unheard of at the moment. And so uh, in six short months when that happened, I mean, I found myself bankrupt. I found myself divorced. Wow. And after a, a... a feeble job search because i didn't really qualify for anything because i'd been in music my entire life uh, i ended up bagging groceries so i had gone from this seven Holy figure wow. year to seven dollars an hour wow right and,
0: uh, in la yeah it was in okay. los angeles yeah okay. manhattan
1: beach wow so it's a very fluent area so to be bagging groceries in that type of area is how part year what year history. was this that was uh 2001 ish 2001 just before 2002 so yeah. you
0: you, you had this music career mm-hmm. that you're doing Succeeding at it. Yeah. And not music in the sense that you were singing, but you, you know, were in the production.
1: And I had my own record label with major label distribution. So we were, we were kind yeah. of a big deal for a minute.
0: And uh, so you were doing that. It crashes. Mm-hmm. You find yourself completely broke, lost yeah. everything. And it's amazing because like you see those in business. You see those. Uh, there's a whole strategy that I teach a lot called Blue Ocean Strategy, uh, which is a book. And they talk about how there's certain industries that will have that new thing happened to it mm-hmm. and completely revolutionized mm-hmm. throw the whole thing like uber was to taxi cab, sure. right? airbnb yep. is kind of due to hotels and do the digital download completely rearranged that you find yourself no job your wife you and your wife separate and get divorced at the time yeah no money bagging groceries that's right in manhattan beach la that's right in 2001 that's right no <laughs> real <religious> estate experience <laughs> nothing all right so to pick us no. up from there what, what do you do from there
1: so after about six months of having the, the world's biggest pity party and uh, just crying and moaning and pointing the finger and blaming everybody and everything, it kind of hit me at one point like, wow, I've been here for about six months. If, if I don't do something about this, I might yeah. be here the rest of my life. And I was 34 at this time, starting okay. life over. And coincidentally, the grocery store manager was also 34 years old. So he was at the top. I was at the A little bottom. Salt in the wound. Yeah, right. And... Uh, So, but we became, because we were the same age, we Mm -hmm. became friendly with, and uh, he had shared with me one day, he says, Matt, this is what I'm gonna do. I've been bagging, or I've been pushing carts and bagging groceries, since my 16th birthday here. And uh, I'm 34. I'm gonna hit 20 years in two years. I'm gonna go ahead. I'll be able to access my retirement, but this is the really cool thing. Look look what I've been able to do. And he opened up this whole portfolio of these apartment buildings that he had acquired along the way. No way. And he showed me how... Uh, my 20-year pension thing that I'm going to get from the grocery store is going to amount to this. But look at this. These apartments amount to this. And I'll never have to work another day in my life. And I was just like, wow. Wow. And so he gave me these these words, and I've said them probably a thousand times since. He said, uh, you know, Matt, real estate is the final frontier where the average person has a legitimate shot at creating real wealth. Yeah. And at that point in my life, I was feeling far below average and I didn't really know what I was going to do to get my money back. Because I really missed my money from the music business. Yeah. Like, I was like, wow, it was nice I when I was going. And uh, he just pointed that to me or pointed that out to me. And it, I didn't need anything else. I was like, okay, that was I'm in. It. That- I, know, I know I have to learn something new. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't qualified for anything else that was out there. I've been doing music my entire life. I had no documents or credentials of anything. So I knew I had to learn something new. So it just made logical sense. Well, if I'm going to learn something new... I'm going to learn the one
0: thing that gives me the greatest income earning potential. And that was real estate. Dude, if you go back to that moment, um, I think a lot of viewers, you know, especially viewers that have never done a deal before or they're just getting started in real estate. Dude, take us, take us back to that moment because you went through it. But I want to go back to where you're like, dude, you were at ground zero. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they try something, fail. Well, and, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say fail because you were succeeding at it. But dude, something came over and, and kicked, kicked the whole industry's tail. When you kind of fall back, you fail. A lot of people out there stop. Right. And and I find there's two there's almost like two different groups of people here. There's the one group that never tries. They just they just can't try. Then there is another group that tries, fails, and then they never. They're afraid to go do something again. Mm -hmm. What made you just go do something again? Like most people, after a failure, like look Mm -hmm. at and say, "My God, I lost everything. I have nothing. My wife, my my money." Doing it my at ground zero. What made, what, what was, if you look back, what was that thing that drove you, you think?
1: Well, there was two things. That that had been six months of pain for me. Yeah. Because it was such a drastic change. It was, I was at the opposite end of the spectrum at this point. Like you had the tasted the other exactly. side. Exactly. I got gotcha. you. Exactly. It was almost, I think I would have been better off if I had never made it before, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. But there was a day when I was, I was bagging groceries. They were short on staff, so they needed someone to take over the register, and I kind of had seniority, so they put me up there. And this... This soccer mom, kind of like if you were going to go to Central Casting and, yeah. and <laughs> identify a soccer mom, that's exactly what she looked like. She had the, the tennis outfit on, and she'd just come back from her lessons, and she was pushing her strollers, one of those double-wide strollers that yeah, hold the two kids I those, and, yeah. right? And she was on her phone, paying me no mind while her grocery, I'm checking her groceries, and, and I finally told her what the total was. And uh, she opened up her wallet, and her ATM receipt fell out of the wallet. And I couldn't help but sneak a peek. Oh, right? my gosh. And so I did. And I remember that to this day, it was $256,000 in whatever that account yeah. was. And that was a very significant number for me because when I was in the music business, when my account hit $250,000, it signaled it was time to make a transfer. Okay. And I looked at that. And I was like, wow, it's probably at that point, I'd been there for six months, so it was probably about nine or 10 months since I had seen that balance wow. in my bank account. And I was like, wow, if I continue doing what I'm doing right now, I will never, ever oh, see that again. it's
0: mathematically impossible. Yeah, I'll never yeah.
1: see it again. And so that was the, the moment where I was feeling a little nauseous. And, and, and literally, I really was. It really hit me hard. And I excused myself. I walked out to the parking lot. I sat in my car, and and just tears. And, and wow. I, I really looked up to God and yeah. started to pray and to say, there's got to be more for me. This can't be it. This can't be the plan. And when I walked in, now, coincidentally, this is exactly when that, that grocery store manager noticed that something was up okay and he kind of put his arm around me and that's when he kind of shared all this stuff with me so that's where that that all happened that was the signifying moment and i think what's kept me going ever since through you know some of the stumbles and, and the, yeah. the shortfalls the and the crash and totally is uh i know what that feels like yeah
0: and i'm never going back dude that's so cool man it's cool to see, I, you know, I failed. I lost everything in 08 in the crash, mm-hmm. went through a divorce, went through losing my house, had to move back to my mom and dad's basement. And, it, and when I find someone else who went through that, it's kind of cool to see what was that, like, switch. Mm. And you never know what it was. It was like one day, I think sometimes viewers think you sit down Sometimes think, oh, I read this book, and then I did these six steps right here, and then that's what propelled me to go take this. But a lot of times, dude, it's that random thing yeah. that happened to you, and for me, it was something my dad said to me when I was in my pity party, right? Because if you've mm-hmm. ever been successful, you lost. You kind of go through that three to six months. It's not months. fair. It's not yeah, fair. You just Why You're looking for anything right. but you, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, dude, I just remember something my dad said. And it was just that random thing that probably, if I even went to him today and said, do you remember what you said? He would have no clue what it was. But for some reason, it flipped that switch. And I said, dude, I got to I got to go, man. I got to move on. This is, this is enough. I love hearing the comeback story, man, of, of losing everything and then coming back. Let's get now into, uh, your, your, your uh, manager shows you these apartments, you say, mm-hmm. dude, I'm gonna jump into real estate. Yeah. Talk to me about your first deal you ever did. Sure, well, that would be a big leap. Okay, what big hap- leap. What
1: happened that night was, I, I grabbed the bottle of wine, which I was developing this habit of doing every se- time a shift <laughs> ended, and I went home, and I just hit, hit the search engine, and searched for everything that had to do with real estate, Okay. and so everything I saw suggested that I need to go become a real estate agent. Yeah, yeah. And while, during that search, I actually ran across an estranged aunt. Uh, I hadn't seen her in probably 15 years. It been, turned out that she was the number one real estate agent in, in the just two cities over from where I was living. Okay. I had no idea. Wow. So I just, after the bottle of wine was over, I was a little bit bolder <laughs> I and braver, bolder. fired off an email and, and, and in the morning she said, yeah, I'd love to meet, let's have lunch. So I had lunch with her the next day, and within 24 hours, I was uh, getting my real estate license. I was in that school. Mm -hmm. And I was an agent for about four years, and I did okay. But uh, there was a a moment where I was working on a Saturday, and I had a meeting with a client at 10.30, and they showed up about 11. And I was dressed in my suit. I had all their documents laid out. I was kind of sitting there on my Saturday waiting for them to come sign their documents. Right. And they came in, jeans and a t-shirt, signed the documents and took off. And then I had to go hold their house open. And they were real estate investors. Okay. And I was like, you know what? If my grocery store manager said, this is the final frontier where wealth is created, I think I'm sitting on the wrong side of the desk. Yeah. And that was another pivotal moment for me where I made this decision, okay, I'm no longer gonna represent other people in, in the purchasing and the selling of real estate gonna represent myself I'm gonna do what they did and I'm gonna have a real estate agent like me working for me
0: yeah and so that was the big shift dude let me jump on that point mm-hmm. with you because you know talking to so many newbies right or mm-hmm. if you've never done deal before there's kind of that always that I that thought because someone's right. pushed so much of go become a real estate agent mm-hmm. and a lot of times even as I teach in classes and stuff you see people that they're like, oh, I'm an agent, I'm an investor. And it's like, no, dude, those are two totally separate concepts. Becoming a real estate agent and becoming a real estate investor are not the same concept at all. It's like two different career There's paths. There's very little overlap there. Very, very, very little overlap. Yeah. But they had this idea that to be for us, because we're investors, that we also are our agents. So for me, I never, ever went and got my real estate license. Um, and, and, and people always ask me, do you have your license? And it, I I chose, not. I almost like I did not want to go down that road uh, and then, on purpose, he said, "I'm not going to go do do become a real estate agent." When you um, became the agent, when you went into full time investing, do you still do any agent work right now? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, I completely my, gone.
1: I let the license expire, and yeah, and dude, it's I didn't amazing. Continue education to keep it active. And
0: I always see, and I know you, you're you a trainer and 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 coach as well. I have always seen where people I see all the time where real estate agents want to become investors. Mm-hmm. But I rarely have ever, ever, ever seen a, re- a successful real estate investor say, oh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become an agent now. Right. I've never seen it that way. Yeah. Well, the big di- distinction there is, you know, the agent works for commission. Yeah. The
1: investor gets profit and cash flow. Yep. Yep. Right. That's so and much better. Ownership and For a very similar, the same type of work that where you go out and you find your customers or you find your opportunities. Yeah. A very similar type of work. And uh, the, the reward is significantly
0: different. So right now you're not an agent, you can no. completely let it go. All right, so uh, all right, so you, you, you meet these people, uh, uh, you say, "Dude, I'm on the wrong side of the table. Mm-hmm. Pick us up from there.":
1: Sure. so I, I made a large investment in my own real estate investing education. Uh, I was really fortunate to find a good program right from the beginning, uh, From what I heard that I could have misstepped quite yeah. a bit out there Landmines. yeah, right. But I found a really good one, and I went and I just learned and it was a two-year program, and uh, I sat in a room with like 300 people, yeah. and we traveled to this location once a quarter, and so it was kind of cumbersome, and, and it took some effort to get there, but uh, I was just a good student, and I was taught this uh, saying that, it, that I, I say all the time now to, to my clients, is to move at the speed of instruction, because so many people are always getting ready to get ready, right? yeah. and, and they just need to know every single step before they take the first one And they they said, if you want to be successful with this, don't do that. You learn a little, do a little, learn a little, do a little. When the whole philosophy was, you know, just travel as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll see further. Mm -hmm. And that took a little bit of faith in the beginning. But after it was, it played out for me exactly how I was told it was going to play out. Then that's become almost a philosophy for our life
0: now. There's so much, so much good truth you just dropped right there. Number one, I think when you, you, you said, okay, dude, I got to make this shift from becoming an agent to go to become an investor, you didn't just run out and go buy a house. You actually kind of, I'll say paused and went and invested in yourself first. And dude, I just think that's like one of the biggest mistakes that I see with individuals now is they refuse to invest in their self. Mm-hmm. And to me, the next thing is you. You are the thing. Yep. And the more that I've put into myself, as far as education, investing, reading, going to masterminds, think tanks, whatever it may be, coaches, mentors in my life, the further it got me. Not all were perfect. Not mm-hmm. all. I won't even say that I always got my money's worth out of some of them, but I always took away truth that I could apply yeah. and use. Do I think it's a big point. I just don't want to skip over that because you taking the time and spent those two years uh, uh, of education. And then you made the second follow-up great point, which I love, which was it wasn't about mastering everything. Mm-hmm. And then learning everything, mm-hmm. it was learn, do, learn, go do, learn, yep. go do, right? Because, yep. um, dude, I know you've seen it before where maybe newbies get into real estate investing and they they uh, try to learn everything about real estate mm-hmm. before they go do a deal. And it's like, dude, there's not a teacher out there that could literally teach you every possible scenario, negotiation that could or could not happen, yep and what to do if it does happen, right? right. There's a lesson in every single transaction. Yes, there, yes. And there's
1: so many variables, so many moving parts. Yep. You could never, ever be prepared for every single thing. Mm. But the one thing you can can do is when you get stuck, is ask for help. Yep. Right? And you, you stay connected. Have the education connected. basis there. Education's based. And you stay connected. You be intentional about creating your environment. You, you, you attach yourself to mentors. I mean, hire one if you must, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, the people that have the most success w- with us are the people that uh, are quick to implement and quick to ask for help when they get stuck. That's good, dude. And then they go back again. That's and, good. And that's a process that we've just seen work over and over and over again for people. So, the uh, I, was, I was very l- limited on funds at that time okay. when I made this transition. So it was a big leap. And you know, I went to, to my coach and I had asked him, uh, okay, so this is where I'm at. I don't don't have a lot of money, I don't know what to do. And he says, Okay, this is what you're gonna do. And he says, go out and drive up and down the street.
0: Yeah. Driving for dollars. Driving for dollars, <laughs> right?
1: And he says, just look for that dilapidated house, yeah. look for a house that looks somewhat distressed, oh, yeah. write all the addresses down and bring it. them back. Right. Yeah. So oh, that yeah. was that was the thing. So he's like, if you don't have any money for marketing or anything, this is how you gotta do go it. He said he said, uh, you can pay for it or you can earn it. Those, two one, options. Yeah, those are the two options. There was there's not between. five. Those are your right. two. So I had to go out and earn it. So I went driving. and found a the very first day. I found a house in Newport Beach on Newport Avenue. I think 1740 Newport Avenue. Um, there was a house there that looked like it, it had started to be fixed and flipped. Yeah. It looked like it was the intention because it was torn down. But it all the, the new wood and everything, the new build was kind of rotted a little bit. Okay. So it looks like it had been weather-beaten so Like a all the two-by-fours. and <laughs> Sitting there for a while. Exactly. And there was a... A for sale sign from an agency in in front and that sign was in just about as bad a shape as the property (laughs) was and uh, but I so I called it and it was actively listed and that's exactly what happened some investors that uh, got in a little bit over their head and ran out of money and now they're just trying to salvage and and escape that and so I said I called the coach I said what do I do now he says make them an offer and I was like make an offer I don't have any money what are you going to make an <laughs> offer Like, are you going to come in with this no just make the offer I'll tell you what to do next Yeah. so I made the offer and uh, it got accepted and I said went back to my coach okay now smarty pants now what <laughs> here's, the, here's the contract what do we do now and he said okay this is what you're going to do you're going to take this and you're going to create a little flyer out of it yeah. so he's take a picture of the house and then put just the bullet points but focus on that flyer of what's in it for whoever you're going to sell it for or sell it to so this house probably is going to be sold to another fix and flipper okay. because someone needs to come along with the expertise to do that and, I, and he said uh, no, and then look at all the real estate events so I just went and started Google searching yeah, yeah. and there really happened to be two that week and I went and you know they always have at the front of those meetings the needs and wants section needs and wants so shaking in my boots
0: right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shaking in my okay, boots okay let me catch up here Let I mean, give me give me some yeah, yeah. give me some data here about how much was ballpark if you can remember how much was it the purchase price so is 275 all right so you like now in as a, as a newbie yeah, yeah like I've been there dude uh-huh. and you're like oh my god I'm on the line for 275 thousand yes, yes. so what I gonna do when they and I have two dollars yeah. and75 cents to my name right yeah, right okay so you have this like pressure totally that you don't know what's gonna happen next right. but again it goes back to learn and go do learn and go do exactly. right? exactly uh, you go to these like uh, clubs and networking mm-hmm. meetings. All right, you're mm-hmm. terrified at this point, right? Yep, terrified. All right, love it, love it. And so I stood up and very nervously, I think I, I, think <laughs> I gave my whole pitch inside
1: of 40 seconds. I just said it was super, super fast. But I remember saying, hey, I got this house and they ran out of money and it uh, looks like there's some big potential here. Uh, I have it figured out. It's probably about 300 grand at equity and then after it's all said and done. If you want some more information about this, <laughs> yeah. meet me in the back room at the end. I'll give you a flyer. Yeah. Right, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Right? yeah. Now that was the whole pitch. Elevator pitch. Yep and there was probably 100 120 people in the room that night and i went back and i just kind of sat there and i was like my heart was racing <laughs> thinking that everyone <laughs> in that audience was thinking about me the entire time yeah they're thinking oh what an idiot that guy was. <laughs> what
0: that. a moron. moron when i was
1: done four people out of that 120 came back and said, hey yeah. i like this thing and and so uh one we just kind of connected with one of the people and i said they said well, okay so how much do you want for it and i was like it. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, I thought I was actually trying to raise money, right? Yeah. And, oh, you uh, thought you
0: were there to raise money? I thought I was there the to raise money, money yeah.
1: <laughs> like a partner and on so the deal. so I said, you know what? Let, let me think about it. Let's go ahead. Let's have coffee tomorrow. Yeah. So I just had to
0: take a break. So I had to so go I, call my coach. What do I do now? I've noticed that great investors are good on their feet, though. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, If you find a successful investor, they're good at adapting Mm -hmm. because you don't always know the answer. Mm -hmm. And you've got to find that way to be quick on your feet and know how to pause it, move around it to go get the data or information and then come back to it. I've, I've always thought... Great investors are good communicators, talkers, etc. Mm-hmm. In the industry, so you, you pause it. You, you, you. I
1: said, you know what? Th- this isn't really the time. Uh, <laughs> like, like, you're I, at I, an I, event, go, for real I, estate. I, I, week, I know, but I was just like, you know what? I, let's go over the details. Can we just have coffee tomorrow? Smart. <laughs> man. I knew that would give me a break yeah. to, to call my coach. Of and course. say, okay, what next? You. Yeah, I love it. And he says, okay, now what you're going to do is because if you were a what they call a bird dog, yep. out finding deals. Mm-hmm. You might get five hundred bucks, little a thousand fee. bucks for this, yeah, right? Little fee. But he says you are, you have the the deal under contract. You have control. Big so difference. You're going to be a partner in this. So see how much they'll give you for being a partner. Yeah. And so I went in. I said, okay, I'll give you the contract, and uh, you know, um, how much are you going to cut me in for? I'll just give it to you. But how much are you going to cut me in for? And I got twenty percent. Wow. Right. So I remember I made a uh, twenty-six thousand dollars on that deal, and. Uh, But the real learning experience was, you don't need the money. Yeah, You need to find the deal first, and the money will find you. I was
0: gonna ask you what your thought on that was. Yeah,
1: so I mean, that's been my strategy ever since. It's just get everything under contract. There's contingencies in the contract. If it gets too Mm -hmm. hairy for you, you Mm -hmm. can always back out with no penalty if you follow the guidelines of the contract. Money is the commodity. Money is everywhere. Right. And right now, there is no shortage of money in the system for a good deal. And I was like, you just got to be a good deal finder. Mm-hmm. and get control of it, and then you get to call the shots.
0: I mean, how many times have you heard people say, I know you have a huge podcast as well following, how many times have you heard people say, oh, if I just had money, I'd do this deal. Or if I, if mm-hmm. I just, the one thing that's stopping me is money. And dude, I have disagreed a, a bajillion percent. It's not money that's stopping you. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's just an excuse that they use because other people can understand it and kind of justify it with them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, I would would be doing deals, but I don't have any money yet. It's like, dude, I, I, I don't know. I know there are, but the people that I network with, hang out with, that have built success in real estate, started with nothing. Like we all started, like all the people I interview, right? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I started with no money and then I went and did deals. Oh, I started with no money and then I went and did deals. I haven't met someone, I'm not saying there's not people out there, but I just haven't interviewed the person who said, well, I was sitting on $5 million I inherited mm-hmm. and then I went out and did a wholesale deal. Like, right. dude, I don't, yeah. I'm not saying they don't exist, yeah. but I haven't found them yet, right? right? In, um, in this business,
1: there's there's two kinds of currencies that you have at your disposal. I mean, there's the actual currency, the money. Money, yep. And then you have your intellectual currency. Yeah. Right. And what what I've seen is those that have actual currency,
0: mm-hmm.
1: people that have money. What do they do? They spend it, mm-hmm. right? They, they are they are buyers of real estate. Uh, the, those that with the intellectual currency that don't have those means, they go out and they find better deals. Yeah. They become shoppers, and I've seen that the shoppers of deals are much better investors than the buyers of deals because mm-hmm. they know they not they don't have any money to bail them out if they make a mistake. They know they don't have any money to to put down or actually purchase it, so they negotiate better terms for themselves. They go out and they just flat out find better deals because that's that's their option. Yep. So I really think there's a huge advantage of getting started with minimum minimum amount of money. I mean if if someone has a hundred grand and says I want to get in real estate, I got hundred grand, I was like, great. Go in the backyard and bury it, okay, and then come out, and then let's work on your intellectual currency first, because if you don't know what you're doing, I'm not even going to let you use your own money. Yeah, it's actually super
0: risky, dude. Totally. It is, when you don't know what you're doing, the, the, uh, the amount of risk, to me, skyrockets, whether it's your money or someone else's money. Dude, you got to know what you're doing to understand how to put the deal together, how to structure the deal, how to get in the deal, out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Without knowing that, who cares if you have 100000 or $200,000? It's, it's kind of a, a mute point to a certain degree. So you do this first deal. You make this money. Um, let, me ask you, let me ask you a little bit broader question right now. If you were someone getting started today, which one would you want to go with if you were getting started today? Ground zero. Ground zero. Um,
1: to start, it would be to become an expert deal finder. A deal finder. Absolutely. Because once you find the deal and you get control of it, now you can decide what you're going to do with it. Do I flip it or do I hold it? Yeah. Right. And and that answer to that question is going to change from deal to deal from time to time. Because if, if someone's just getting started and they have some cash, they might not need to flip this to, for the cash. Right. They're going to want to hold it to build their cash flow and start building their net worth. Or this deal comes along and like, hey, i got to re- replenish my marketing budget and I got payroll or whatever. it Maybe I got to make rent at home. Right. So I need to flip it for cash. Right. So if you're good at finding the deal and getting control of it, the, the deal and the circumstance that you're currently in will kind of dictate which way you go. So that's I would really recommend people just be good at finding Becoming deals.
0: Becoming an expert at finding deals. Yep. First. And it doesn't
1: matter the asset class, whether it's multifamily or storage facilities or, or single family residences, it's you still have to find the deal. You're an investor. You gotta buy low, sell high. Right. So you gotta do that first, and then you gotta get control of it, and then you can decide how you're gonna profit
0: from it. In, in your career, okay, so let me, let me get for the viewers. Uh, if they're starting off right now, or even if they're actually done some deals right now, uh, your opinion is their best, uh, best option mm-hmm. is just to become an expert at finding deals first. Yep. Master that art of the game first, yep. right? Okay, so in your world now, you've been investing thousand plus deals. Um, for the customers now that they've been in the business for a while, uh, maybe they're two years on the road, they've done some deals. Mm-hmm. Now, which, now we're to tell them which way to go with it. Sure, it, it's all gonna depend on what their goal is. Okay.
1: okay. Most people come into real estate because of the income opportunity and ultimately they, they envision the financial freedom for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so if it's financial freedom that you want, buy and hold strategy, contrary to, to what would feel like conventional logic is gonna get you there three to four times faster. Yeah than flipping houses well. Flipping houses, you can make good chunks of cash, you can make piles of cash, you can get rich flipping houses, but you get wealthy holding them. And you know when you extrapolate that out, I mean, I've done uh, the spreadsheet uh, several times just to confirm, because it just doesn't feel it doesn't right. Feel right. But if, if that financial freedom, it's understanding what's gonna create that for you. So it's typically going to be a residual income for most people, that's where the freedom comes from, is because you know your money's gonna be replenished month after month after month. So if, if financial freedom, like if we just use the, the median household income in America, and it's like 46,000, 47,000 bucks a year, um, say, say, say you need $5,000 a month to create financial freedom, right? right. That's going to cover your bills and your, I mean, you're not going to be rich, right. but you're going to be free. Okay. If you needed that, you know, and you got a house, and this is a, 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 normal scenario that Mercedes and I, my, my partner and my wife, what, that we deal with on a daily basis, we'll have a house. Do we flip it for 30 grand? or do we hold it for $300 a month? Yeah. Okay? And most people with that scenario, they take the 30 grand every single time. That's a big chunk of cash. That right. can make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. But if it's financial freedom that you're after, you're going to get to that $5,000 a month much faster holding the $300 house. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it on the first one. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it on the second one even. Right. But once you get to that third one and fourth one, now you you got an extra 1500 bucks a month coming in each month to, to your household income, all of a sudden you've kind of got an extra person living in your house, earning a paycheck and contributing. Right. right. And now it starts to really make a difference quickly. But if you're over there flipping houses, yeah, you got 30 grand, 60 grand, 90 grand, it's adding up. But if you were to put that in in a safe investment somewhere, it's not gonna generate anywhere close to the amount of cash flow that that cash flow property would generate. So, and like I said, I've done it, and we don't have the ability to, mm-hmm. to for me to draw it out, but just trust me, it goes three to four times faster going for the holds more often than the fix
0: and flips. Well, dude, I mean, I remember when you showed it to me, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I come from a background of the flipping side, the fix and flip mm-hmm. side. I never really got played, I mean, I did some wholesale deals, but I never really got into that game. My very first deal was a fix and flip. And, and I went and did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fix and flips. I, I enjoyed it. And when you showed me the math on the income and you said, and and, and um, when you did it, you said, look, if you need the $5 a month, if you take you, and I, I don't want you to quote me to this number, but it was like, you'd have to have like a million dollars in the bank. Yeah, it's uh, uh, At 5% interest or something correct. like that, right? Which is pretty 1.2. St- standard. 1.2. Standard. Yeah. Uh, 1.2. And then you would make about that $5,000 a month of income, correct. right? Correct. So the viewers, just try to think through this because I want to. I want to try to walk through it because, dude, sure. it is actually really cool. Um, you'd have to have 1.2 million in mm-hmm. the bank
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, sitting in a like a mutual fund, yep. right? And you'd make what, what? What was the interest rate you said you'd make? Five percent. Five percent is a number that
1: financial planners normally use with their clients, which is very
0: attainable. That's just a very doable number, very right? Conservative, um, not a lot of risk or anything. But you'd take you 1.2 million in the bank, right? Cash yep. to make that five thousand dollars a month of interest. Your 1.2 would never go up. Mm-hmm. Because you'd be draining out the interest every single right. month on it. Okay. Right. Um, so now, as a viewer, you got to think about that. How long would it take you to get to, in your current job, $1.2 in your 401k? And I think we know the answer to this one. The majority of the majority, majority, majority of Americans will never get to a million dollars in their 401ks. It is just a myth that, 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 is is not a true concept that they're going to get to a million dollars inside that 401k man people
1: just don't earn enough Mm-mm. to save enough nope and for even those that do the restrictions on how, well, how much you can contribute each year yeah it's a 40-year plan and that's barring any sort of catastrophes right. along the way right. a 2008 it crash. just doesn't happen There, there's a big thing came out in the uh all the news facilities it's about i don't know about 18 months ago or so said the the four hundred one k millionaires has hit an all time high, Right. meaning there's more millionaires out of their four hundred one ks and and they like it grew by sixteen or seventeen percent, and so that seems like a significant number. And that's what they reported, right? But if you look at looked at all the four hundred one k participants, all the people that have a four hundred one k that represented 0. point zero two percent, point zero zero two percent of all four hundred one k
0: participants had a million dollars. Yeah, we're all like so many people are playing that game. Yeah. And just not kind of do the math on, on it, understanding that, it's not really ever gonna get there unless you're in this point, not even the one percentile. Mm-hmm. You gotta be in the .02 percentile right. to actually reach that goal right And there. They, ran, they ran down the uh, the blueprint or the playbook, I guess,
1: yeah. for those that made the million. What right. did they do? Well, they, they maxed out their contributions, so they had to do 15% a year, and they started early, yep. at 25 years old or sooner, and they did it for forty years.
0: They finally got there,
1: right? And so they're they pro- they were promoting this because I, I guess there was maybe it was a Wall Street angle to it or something like this. this. Is where we want want you to put your money. So it was a very positive thing about it. But what about the person that's thirty years old, right? Or 35? I'm 38 right now? Those five or ten years makes a significant difference when you Huge. start talking about the miracles of po- compound, compound interest. interest, right? Those last two or three years are the most <laughs> powerful ones. Yeah. But if you start five years late. Right. Like, you missed out on all that growth. Now you're working into your 70s and potentially
0: your 80s if you wanted to go follow and that plan at that only works if you actually do it for all those years. And then even when it does work, let's just walk it out. You're 65, 72 years old. Mm-hmm. And now you can finally go to retire. Yes. It's like growth. Three-fourths of your most active years of your life are behind you. Life is over. That's what I'm saying, dude. It's like, okay, if, you, if you're if you hitting 68, with this finally hit, in this made-up world of 0.02%, mm-hmm. and you're 68 years old, it's like, dude, you you, you have... What, whatever, 90% of your life mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah. Your most active 90% of your life is gone. And it's like you worked to retire to die. That's all you did. You worked to retire to die. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you, to retire to die. <laughs> you sound like me. This is great. dude. It's I just, very it's rarely like, meet anyone that gets it. It's like so, I get so much resistance
1: and argument about it. I'm just like, I don't, don't you just, understand? Oh, life like, is over.
0: How do you... How? how yeah. yeah, dude. I, I battle this all the time. Like how people don't understand this and right. then why it doesn't like... Shake it with a cord Be like Forget it I'm done then they go, go back to this method here So that was the $1.2 million mm-hmm. concept The 401k yeah. Then you have the fix and flip Which was me Before you show me this mm-hmm. It was me And on the fix and flips You had to do like And again It was like 40 houses Yeah so if we took that example Of 30k
1: for, per of flip, profit Which is average very month, common right? Right, yeah. Very common So that's 40 houses
0: It would take you 40 fix and flips 40 fix and flips Without
1: touching a dime without of it Without touching a dime Yeah To, make the, to generate that 1.2 Right but if you went over this $300 uh a month, a month. how, oh, how okay. many
0: years does that take you though oh i mean if you did one a month which is for which beginners be is like a lot uh, yeah i mean i mean you're probably looking at four to five year game plan right there yeah. at best right. i mean i mean just that's just like if you got in the game you were good at it you mastered it but you can't spend anything that you make which means what are you, how are you paying your bills right and right? fix and flip is a full
1: time job anyway
0: especially if you're doing 12 to 15 dollars yeah. a year dude totally. yeah for sure for full-time sure full time job
1: so let's say you lived on half and you saved half. Okay. So now you just went from five years to ten years. A ten year plan. Right. Now it's a ten Still year. Still at plan. best. Still at best. Yeah. At best. Now, where the magic gets really fun or the the math gets really fun is if you were gonna hold those properties and you did that one a month, you're looking at
0: eighteen months. I think it was, I think it was like 17, 17 houses. Houses. So it gives it right? one and a half years. Yeah. Right? Seventeen houses. If you were so on one side, if you bought seventeen rentals, with just $300 a month of profit, mm-hmm. which means you, you leveraged, borrowed money, you don't have to pay for it in cash. Yeah. You borrowed the money, uh, you made $300 a house, which is a very common number. Yeah, it's not it's a, not it's a, a crazy number, number by no stretch. You made it $300 a month on those properties. After 17 of those houses, you would make enough money to have your $5,000 paid for. Yeah. You would have the median for, household uh, in the, yeah, forever. Because here's the thing I don't think people think through. Even on that fixed income plan, which is the thirty thousand dollars now, which is why people take it, right? Mm -hmm. Even on that, even on that track record right there, you would still have to um, work for ten years straight just to get the one point two million in the bank to make the five, make the five thousand dollars a month you would would want. Yeah, dude, it's it's still, it's like a crazy concept. Or over here buy the 17 houses, which you could actually do. You tell me what you think here. Could someone buy on a, on a st- steady basis, 17 rental properties while still having a full-time job? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Especially with all the turnkey operations right. that are in really good markets, right? Uh, that you could do that with. Yep. You could have a full-time job, the entire uh, 17 houses you could keep the full time job after the 17 houses if you want to do. Mm-hmm. I think I just, I just think that people miss, and we're not even getting into uh, uh, appreciation, amortization, depreciation, depreciation, amortization. Yep. Like We're not even getting into any of that t- stuff right the there. Cash flow. This is just understanding the basic concept of cash flow versus mm-hmm. fix and yeah, flow. Yeah, I call it the, the difference between mountains of cash and streams of
1: cash. Yeah, it's a great right? illustration. The, the yeah. mountain is really extraordinary looking, right? It's impressive. Right. But the stream of cash just never stops flowing.
0: And then there's another thing, which I know we don't have time to get into now, but dude, if they watch your podcast, I know you, you go into a lot of this stuff, is there's the, there's the traditional rentals that everybody knows about, right? Mm-hmm. You put the 10% down, you put the 20% down, you do deals, right? But then there's also the creative side of it, mm-hmm. where you can get into the owner finance side, where you can get into the subject two side of these different types of deals, mm-hmm. which can really change... Uh, even how fast you could play that game. Oh, yeah. It kind of goes back to your first point, which was be an expert at finding deals. Yeah. Because if you're an expert at finding deals, all of a sudden, I just had a guy in uh, my hometown of Atlanta hit me up and uh, he, he he follows me and does a bunch of stuff with me. And he said, dude, just this, this, the market is, he's a wholesaler and a fix and flipper. And he said, dude, just the markets here are getting so tight on these spreads mm-hmm. that he's like, dude, I just don't think I can do any more deals right now. And he said, "What would you do?" And I said, "I would do what everybody else is not doing, because you know." I said, "Dude, in Atlanta right now, it's like wholesale central, man. Everybody's sure. wholesale, yeah. right? So common." And I said, "Dude, these guys obviously you know the numbers. If you don't know the numbers, you, you we follow another podcast, you can learn about them. But it's like you know, there's, you can only go up to so much LTV on those wholesale deals, right? You got to be you got to be selling that thing for that seventy-five percent to eighty percent loan to value of the after repair value, yeah. right?" And that's all the spread there is. And you, if you're not, if you go above those numbers, you don't even have a deal no more. You literally lost the deal. Yep. When I started walking this guy through kind of one of your big strategies, which is understanding how to um, owner finance, have the owner uh, finance that for you. I said, dude, you could pay 100% of the, mm-hmm. of the homeowner's value. I said, dude, hell, his name was Paul. I said, Paul, you actually pay 110% if you want to do. Yeah. As long as he'll owner finance that for you, it changes the complete game of having to get that number so tight, which is like a needle in a haystack. Right. right if you define that 75% right there dude i think that that in your strategy of the of the cash flow of understanding there's the rental game but then there's also the creative finance game mm-hmm. which i think a lot of people miss out on yeah. is it creative finance game that can go both ways. That can go on the acquisition and the exit. And the exit side of and it, right? Really and hold a note, the cash flow right? later on. Yeah, hold totally. a note on the back side of it, dude. Uh, man, I, 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 I love the game of real estate and cash flow. Um, unique question here. Uh, do you play a lot of the tax-free Roth, solo 401k Roth? Do you play a lot of that game right there uh, and, and to, to get out the tax side of it? Right. There's,
1: there's a couple different ways that, that I, I'll i participate Um, I I really believe in setting yourself free first. Yeah, sure. Just generate the cash flow. Because to me, it just doesn't make sense. And this goes like with paying off your primary residence and all these kind of antiquated saving strategies that people kind of, they have this mission to retire their money before they retire themselves. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I I kind of just just flip that around. The the, the tax-free environments, the tax-deferred environments, I'm all for it. Right. But uh, let's just kind of switch the priority. and get yourself free first and start producing the cash flow outside of that environment so you can benefit from it right now. And the other part that could be really helpful is is if you have friends and family and network that have those vehicles, then you can put an amazing amount of ROI in their their plans, yeah. and benefit outside yourself as well.
0: Yeah, I love it, dude. I think that the investors miss is the power you were talking about right there—the power of a network. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I find so much opportunity inside my network, which is where like the, not just deal flow, but other opportunities to invest into yeah. different things. Like I, I invest into car washes and storage units, which is not really my thing. Like I don't want to go master how to you know start a car wash, but I have buddies that do it. Sure. And because we're in the same network, which we built, right? We, we, we didn't grow up together. We both got lucky. Like, dude, I met these guys two or three years ago at different events and so forth. But it opens up that opportunity that's there. Last question I want to ask you, man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, market, right? It's a mm-hmm. big thing. Yeah. It's important to understand. Uh obviously you always hear the buzz of, we're in a bubble, we're in a bubble, sure. we're in a bubble. Right here, now we're in Las Vegas right now, you're in LA, which is another huge bubble market. What's your thoughts right now on the market? How much do you play into it? How much do you worry about it, et cetera? Good question. I don't, uh, I don't
1: quick answer is I don't worry about it too much at all. Okay. Um, reason being for a few reasons. One is regardless of the, I don't think there's a good market or bad market. Okay. There are just up markets and down markets. And in both of those markets, there's a relative low price to purchase at and a relative high price to sell at. So okay. maybe your your strategy on how you actually profit from those deals changes a little bit, but but the fundamentals are always there. Right. That's the first thing. Second thing, being a buy and hold investor, I really don't care what happens to values in between my my ownership because I know I'm cash flowing the, the right. property. So That's why that, you bought them. Exactly. I have no intent to sell them. Right. I'm not saying I'm not going to, but I don't have the intent to. So that's the second thing. The third thing is when you just look at the concept of supply and demand in normal economics, right? you've got a, uh, you've got a fixed supply, which is the land, right? and you have a growing demand, which are people. Mm-hmm. And so each generation, as long as we've been alive, is a little bit bigger than the previous. And as long as that demand continues to grow, there's really no way that values can drop and stay down forever. So if, if you look historically, the prices have always appreciated. And you're, I mean, I remember my, my grandparents, they were telling me they bought a house for $5,000 in Long Beach, California. And they just thought that was all the money in the world. And how <laughs> could this thing ever be sold for more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can right? so, you imagine? I don't know, right? And so here we are today in the, the median house Price in that area is probably about a half a million dollars now. Right. Yeah. And then people are looking at that like, how could this ever sell for more than this? Right. Yeah. It's because the demand continues to grow, and when you look at uh, if you're going to place your energy and effort into anything, that's those are the dynamics you want to look for. Supply is fixed and demand continues to grow, therefore value and prices will continue to rise. Yeah. So with those three elements at play. I not really care if the market goes up or down. I know I'm going to be fine either way.
0: I like what you said a while ago, man. Uh, kind of last point here was like, I love it that you said there's not a good or bad market. There's just an up or down market, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, a, It's not like I mean, 2008, 9, 10, Vegas was one of the bottoms of the bottoms. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad market, dude. I mean, people that came in at oh nine, ten, eleven 9, 10, 11 and bought houses in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and held them to right now, I'm sure are going absolutely haywire happy right now mm-hmm. uh, because it's not a bad market. It's just the up or down right. that, that it moves through the, through the process there, dude. Matt, man, I appreciate the interview, dude. I love talking to you. The guys are listening. This is a guy selling over a thousand deals in some of the markets all across the country. Uh, if you if you don't follow him, make sure you follow him at his podcast. Matt, give me the name of your podcast right sure, here. Sure,
1: it's the Epic Real Estate Investing Show
0: epic real estate investing show and your wife Mercedes is on that uh, quite a a bit as well. Uh, So you guys follow him on his podcast. Matt, I appreciate your time. This is built for more at (laughs) moneyis.com.